Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now working on Nento. He'll dance, he'll step, he'll shoot. We are here to fuel your Rockets news. This is the Rockets Fuel Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I am your co-host, LaShar Binkley. As usual, you can find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. And you can find my written work on the Dream Shake website. Uh, as usual, make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube channel. And as always, we appreciate five stars. If you listen to us through uh, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your uh, podcast, we definitely appreciate that. And, of course, as you can see, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Anthony Duckett, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Glad to be here for another week of Talk Rockets Ball. <laughs> of course, and we are coming up re- uh, pretty fast on uh, training camp. Uh, Media Day is actually on the 26th, and then we have training camp on the 27th. They actually have it in Lake Charles this year, so that ought to be pretty interesting. But we actually have actual basketball on-court activities to talk about instead of Instagram or TikTok videos. So uh, uh, kind of looking forward to that. Uh, but in today's show, we're going to be uh, discussing some of the storylines that we are looking forward to uh, this upcoming season that's going to be starting in training camp, of course, in uh, 11 days. And then uh, our next segment, uh, second segment, we're actually going to talk about some of the uh, underrated, maybe not talked about enough uh, Rockets players uh, from the past uh, that definitely don't get enough love. Uh, of course, we all know about the Akeem Olajuwans of the world, of James Harden's and uh, players like that. But is some players that helped the Rockets, you know, in their championship years and even in the early 2000s kind of get to where uh, they they did eventually get to uh, with those championship rings. Um, and, of course, some of the – in the heyday with the Rockets uh, a few years ago in the Harden era. So we're going to be talking about that in the second segment. Uh, but, of course, I want to kind of start off with, like I said, some of the storylines that will be coming up in this uh, upcoming season that's going to be starting with training camp. And, of course, the first one, maybe even the biggest one that's going to be going on is uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and his impending contract, um, either possibly the extension or maybe um, the Rockets let him walk after this year. It's going to be all kind of dependent on this upcoming season. So, uh, A.D., I kind of want to start there uh, with you. What's your What are you expecting to see from Kevin Porter Jr. this upcoming season? Are, are you expecting to see a major improvement? or kind of status quo, what we've been seeing in the last couple of years uh, from KPJ? So I don't think we'll see a major improvement because I feel like he already kind of started that last season from the year before. Um, so he's already kind of trending upwards uh, and progressing. I feel like we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see him continue to, to uh, progress and kind of climb that ladder in terms of, you know, reaching his potential. I don't think we'll see a major improvement, though, but – uh, what I really want to see, what I would like to see, is him go to forty percent from three. Yeah. You know, we, uh, he went from like thirty one point one percent to thirty seven percent, right? Um, yeah, that last season. So I would like to see him go up, you know, forty percent from three. I would like to see the turnovers get cut down. Late in the season, that happened. Early in the year, he kind of struggled with the point guard position, which is which is understandable. Yeah. Uh, so I would like to see him cut the turnovers down a little bit. And I'm curious to see if, if he can get about eight assists a game. I'm curious to see that. Actually, that was kind of going to be my next point I wanted to ask you about. Do you expect to see him more off ball this year? Because I know Coach Salas kind of mentioned that the last time he was talking on Sports Talk 790 about he made a point to point out his catch and shoot numbers that was some of the best in the league, if not the best in the league last year. And with Alper and Shangoon probably getting more minutes this year, do you expect him to play more off ball or do you expect it with his um, assist number possibly going up because they have better offensive players like uh, Jabari Smith that's going to help kind of spread the court out more? 
think it'll be a little bit of both. I actually like the second option better, but you're right. I mean, he did say on 790, he did mention, you know, him being able to play a little bit more off the ball. Uh, and he did mention Jalen, you know, playing off the dribble a little yeah. bit more, you know. So, uh, so, so he, he, it's very well possible that, that he may end up playing some off ball because he did thrive in the catch and shoot. You know, he did thrive in that, in that area last season. But I would like to see him get a little bit more. Uh, well, I mean, this is the second year playing a point guard position, yeah. technically, second full season. So I feel like, you know, some of the nuances of the position that he kind of struggled with early in the year, I, I don't think we'll see as much of that. And like you said, they do have, we're going to have better spacing. You know, they do have better, you know, better talent now for sure this season. And they're starting to line up than last yeah. year. So there are other options, especially with Jabari. Jabari actually is a, is a is a big part of that. Big part of that. Yeah. And even if he's like we saw him struggle with in the summer league, but I mean, you're never gonna leave Jabari Smith open. Even if you think he's struggling, you're still gonna be out on him, unlike kind of what we saw with uh the double big lineup, which I just don't wow. think I know people realize how bad it was, but I don't think they realize how much it set the Rockets back. Because yeah. even once you, hey, we finally decide we're going to stop doing it, it still take a while to get used to having other players on the court. So, I mean, that really set the Rockets back even beyond uh, the time they finally made that switch and put Daniel Tice to the bench. So I think you're starting off the year, you're starting off with the correct lineup because uh, let's all be honest, if Eric Gordon is still on the team and we all kind of figured he's still going to be on the team by the time yeah. the season starts, he's probably going to be just in the starting lineup. And – Whatever we think about that he should have been gone years ago, which I know we both kind of agree with that, yeah. not because he's a bad player, just because he just doesn't necessarily fit this team right now. Um, but whatever we think about that, he's still a really good three-point shooter. Most of the year last year, he was top five in three-point shooting. So you're going to get spacing from him. You put Jabari in instead of uh, Jay Sean Tate or Daniel Tice, who was starting last year. Now you got a lot better – um, offensive flow, you have a lot more spread out offense, so they're going to have more room to actually operate uh, to start the year. So, yeah, I can I, I can only imagine. I don't think Kevin Porter Jr. in any way is going to take a step back next year. If anything, I've been saying I think he can be in contention for most improved player. But something you pointed out may kind of dampen that a little bit is that they may not have a lot of wins. But usually, with most improved player. I don't, they don't necessarily go as much for the amount of wins a team has. It, so it's sort of like rookie of the year. Um, you would think that they shouldn't value that, but even though I kind of saw that come up last year, that yeah. you know Jalen couldn't be in the discussion because the Rockets weren't winning, which is kind of insane. But most of the time, most improved players, they just kind of just go by the stats. So I, I honestly think that he's going to have a really improved year. And you can say it's because of the contract year. That's fine, but – Either way, I expect Kevin Porter Jr. to take a, a major step this next coming season. Um, and it could also be because of the next kind of guy I want to talk about, the next storyline, is Alperen Shangun playing more minutes um, this year. Um, we all saw last year the back and forth between him playing, not playing, and then Rockets fans getting upset because he's not playing a lot of minutes, and the Rockets yeah. saying that, he had to get more in better shape, and Shangun actually said that himself. Yeah. Um, and then some people thought, well, the Rockets should still have been playing him regardless of him getting in foul trouble or not, which, again, you know, that kind of is insane to me. You don't want somebody that's going to constantly be fouling out of games. But this year, one way or another, Shangun's going to be on the court more because he's going to be starting from day one. And I did watch a little bit of the European basketball um, that's been going on the last few weeks. Yeah. And in the last game that uh, they uh, – I think actually the last game, he actually fouled out in that game and some of the other games yeah. he was in foul trouble. So what are you expecting to see this upcoming season, and do you think the foul trouble is going to be the biggest thing that's going to hold Shangun back uh, for this upcoming year? I think the foul trouble definitely will be something that, that holds him back. Um, yeah. It's going to be a matter of he just got to learn how to play, play when he's in foul trouble, you know? Yeah. That could be very valuable for him, <laughs> especially yeah. if he's going to be, you know, tacking up fouls that fast. We know that Silas. It, it seemed like last season when 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 Sengun would get in foul trouble, you know, rack up early three early fouls, two early fouls. And you something used to piss Silas off. He's like, get out of there, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So uh, this season he's going to have to learn how to play when he's in foul trouble. 
you know, play, play through being, you know, having three, four fouls, <clears throat> you know, because again, they don't have a lot of depth at the, at the bigs, man, at fives, they don't have mm-hmm. a lot of depth at center. So, I mean, that in, in a sense, that could be good for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think ultimately that'll help him stay on the court because, I mean, you have we have Bruno Fernando, even though he's just on a training camp deal. So who knows yeah. if he makes a team? I think he should make the team regardless. But we'll see how that plays out. They have Willie Colley Stein, who's bounced around the league. Well, Bobon, everybody. <clears throat> yeah, he may not even make the team. Bobon, who everybody loves, but that's mainly mainly because he makes commercials. Yeah, um, not necessarily what he does on the court. So yeah, he's going to have a lot of uh, time on the court regardless. I think they're going to be kind of forced into it, but. They could also play Jabari some at the backup five, and that's kind of the next thing I want to talk about is uh, what do you think is the potential of Jabari playing backup five minutes, especially if Shangun does stay in foul trouble? I mean, I'm sure it'll happen in spurts here or there, especially in that situation like that where Shangun is in foul trouble. I just would rather him not be backup five. Uh, but I know he'll get some cracks at it because, again, they don't have a lot of depth, but I, I like yeah. Jabari at the four. Because, because the reason yeah. why is he, he, he's still a little – he's got to round out into shape a little bit physically. Yeah. He, he's still, still kind of skinny, kind of thin. Yeah. Just worried that he might get kind of bodied up a little bit, bumped around at the five. Although they are not really true legitimate centers, or not a lot of them at least, uh, in today's game. I just – I guess I, I'm kind of – I'm kind of I'm still traumatized by seeing Christian Wood get, <laughs> get, get banged around at the five. <laughs> Well, at the very least, we know Jabari at least will try. That's yeah. can't exactly say that about Kirsten Woods. So basically, you saying you would rather see him in uh, probably shorter spurts, not anything like major minutes yeah. at the back of five. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. about you? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, shorter spurts, game situation type things, like maybe end of the game and they have a small lineup in and it's a close game. Maybe you'll have Jabari play sometime. But yeah, not anything you have to do every single game. Yeah. I mean, I agree. You won't. You want to spend most of his time at the five. I mean, if anything, I would say backup small forward, but then you really don't have anybody else to play power forward, which is right. a, another thing the Rockets is going to have to kind of look into. I know they still have KJ. I know they probably Jay-Shan. play Jay Sean, um, but then you're, you're going really small. So the Rockets yeah. don't – even with um, some of the si- uh, people they bring in training camp, they really still don't have size in the front court. Right. At, at all. I mean, Shangun is 6'9 at best. Um, so I think that's something that once they try to actually start, well, once they start winning games, I want to try, try to start winning games because, I mean, I'm sure they're trying to win this year. But once they're actually competitive, that's something they definitely going to have to look into is getting size in that front court because, end of the day, as much as I like Jay Sean, um, I mean, he's still 6'4, 6'5. Trying to play backup power forward, so they, they're going to eventually get some size, but yeah, I agree. Shorter spurs for Jabari, I don't think he needs to be playing 15 20 minutes a game at backup center, definitely yeah. not. Um, so and, and speaking of backup center position, out of the people that they're bringing in a training camp and a uh, Boban who they traded for in the Christian Wood trade, do you see any of these guys um playing any type of significant role at backup center and I guess I'll throw in Uzma Garuba who's doing okay with Spain right now he's still only playing like 15-18 minutes a game for Spain um, he has some flashes but he's still mo- mainly a project when it comes to NBA so do you see any of these guys making any kind of impact at backup center uh, if there was going to be one it would be Garuba and if, it, yeah. and if, he, and if he is it's going to be on the defensive end um I think there's a possibility that Bruno could, could if he makes a roster. I think Bruno has a skill set that obviously Willie Collins Stein doesn't have, Bo Biden doesn't have. And it's some, some things Bruno can do that even Sengun can do. So, I mean, yeah. there's an opportunity there for Bruno if he makes the team. But I know that they want it to be Garuba. They want it to be Garuba. <laughs> yeah. And if, if he has an impact, it'll be on the defensive end. I've seen videos of him like shooting threes and all that. Like, get it all on your system now because it's mm. not going to be happening <laughs> when the season starts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's okay from three point range, but yeah, that's not anything you're going to see a lot. I mean, that's ultimately that's what he's going to have to do to be able to actually get a uh, any type of playing time in the NBA. Because if not, he's just going to be a five ten minute guy game. Because yeah. you can't be on the court and not be able to shoot, and especially in today's yeah. NBA, that's just not going to work. So, 
yeah, the Rockets really want Garuba to be that guy, as you can tell, because he didn't really show anything last year. He didn't really show anything in summer league because he was hurt. He didn't play. Um, if he won the first round pick, I don't know if they would even be bringing him back because he hasn't shown a lot. So, yeah, he's still a first round pick. So they still going to give him another opportunity this year uh, for sure. Um, but beyond this year, he, yeah. he's kind of running out of leash because even if he's a yeah. first round pick, it's a non lottery pick. And this would have been, yeah. you know, this would have been a couple of seasons in drafting him and still not seeing it manifest on the court and materialize yeah. at some point, you know, I I don't know what that, what that litmus is for them, but I, again, he's not a lottery pick. So him being a first round pick only goes so far. If you are not able to see anything on the court. Now this season, yeah. I, I think, I think he's going to get, he's going to get quite a bit of burn in the G league though. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm expecting him to start off in the G league. Um, just because he didn't play a lot last year, and they they do have what they call a Stein or Bruno Fernando, whoever they plan on keeping. Um, and Shangoons is probably going to play close to thirty minutes a game. I'm sure that's kind of what they're ranging it for. Yeah. Um, so, and heck, way the Rockets did last year, here we may even see Jayshon Tate playing some backup center. So, right. uh, it may not be a ton of minutes at that backup center spot, and I think it will benefit Garuba to play in the G League at least the first couple of weeks of the year. Um, two or three weeks so he can actually get some playing time in. Because, like I say, he doesn't play a ton for Spain. Um, they still got a bunch of veteran guys there. So he's not getting a lot of time playing overseas. So I think him playing in the G League would definitely uh, help him out a lot there, um, which kind of leads to another guy or a, another storyline that I want to talk about, and that's backup point guard. Um, and Ty Ty Washington is another guy that – may actually spend some time in the G League as well. So what's kind of your thoughts on the backup spot between Ty Ty Washington, Dacia Nix? Um, Josh Christopher played some point guard last year. He played exclusively point guard for the Vipers when he was down playing for the Vipers. Um, so what do you kind of see as far as who's going to back up uh, Kevin Porter Jr. this upcoming season? I think it'll be Dacia Nix. Um, mm-hmm. We've already seen him with the Vipers. It, it doesn't, you know. He played really well there. Too good to go back down to the Vipers yeah. another season in a row. You know, you already know what he can do on the G League level. I think this is a time, unless Ty Ty has a you know astronomical camp and just yeah. is like leaps and bounds better, which I don't think will be the case this season, especially not right out the gate. Now he may, who knows, he may end up being a better point guard over time. You know, as yeah. far as full body of work career wise, but right now as a rookie. I just think you're going to probably see Ty Ty with the Vipers quite a bit, which, which would be good because, again, I, I think I think Dacia Nix is going to be so – I think I, I think he will solidify himself as the backup point guard to where I don't think we're going to even have any questions after we see him in camp and yeah. some of the preseason, I think. At least I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense because I know people, you know, it's recency bias – when you look at like the summer league play, yeah, uh, Ty Ty Washington is the new guy on the block. Everybody yeah. excited by seeing him play, and he's great. And and they don't really like Dacia Nix for whatever reason, because maybe because he was he's been here a couple years. You know how some Rockets fans are. That <laughs> if you've been here a few years, you've probably been here a few years too long, and we're oh. ready for the new guy to step in. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of people were like kind of crapping on Dacia Nix game during summer league. They didn't really like the way he played, but if you actually look at the numbers, Dacia Nix actually played better than Ty Ty Washington in summer league. Yeah. He shot over forty percent. Did he play great all the time? No, he he was kind of passive sometimes. Sometimes it didn't seem like he really know, wanted no really know what he wanted to do on the court. Kind of the complete opposite of what I saw all year in the G League. In the G League, he took command of the team. He actually ran the team. Yeah. But it seems like he's kind of trying to take a back seat when he's playing for the Rockets, which is something he can't do if he wants to get those backup minutes. But yeah. again, he actually shot forty percent from three, over forty percent from three in the summer league. It was only around three attempts. But still, that's that's huge. Ty Ty Washington was shooting in a twenty percent range, so I just think that Dacia Nix right now is the better point guard. Yeah. And Ty Ty Washington, like you said, unless he just kills it in training camp, and they have no choice. Just like the Rockets last year, they actually planned on putting Shangoon in some uh, in the with the Vipers last year, um, but then he just killed it in training camp. And um, something Craig Ackerman told me last week when he was on the show that when he went there, he saw Shangoon play. He saw Shankoon at the time was the best player on the court. And this was during training camp. Yeah. So 
that's kind of why he didn't play at all for the Vipers. So unless Ty Ty Washington does something like that, he's probably going to be playing in the G League too, which again, to me, that's the best thing for him. He can get 30 minutes a game playing down in the G League for at least part of the season, and then maybe he eventually takes over at backup point guard. But yeah, I agree. Right now, Dacian Nix is probably the better option um, at backup point guard. And who's to say that he may not even play that many minutes because they might run out of backcourt sometime with Josh uh, Christopher playing some some backup point guard minutes. Because um, more than likely, if Shangun is still on the court, he'll be handling the ball most of the time anyway, if, even if Kevin Porter Jr. is off the court. So it may not even be like a ton of minutes for the backup center or backup uh, point guard position. But Again, they still will need somebody to be able to fill those roles. So I think it's going to probably be Knicks, and I prefer Fernando as backup center. But uh, we'll kind of see how that plays out. Uh, One more situation I kind of want to talk about, a storyline we'll talk about before we wrap up the first segment, is who do you kind of see in the, I don't know, I guess you could say nine or ten-man rotation. Um, And who do you kind of see the odd man out? Do you see Garrison Matthews kind of being the odd man out? Because – I personally think uh, Tari Eason, I don't know how many minutes he's going to get, but he's going to be in a rotation in some way. Of course, Jay Sean Tate's going to be in a rotation. You still have K.J. Martin here, regardless of what people say he wants to be out. He's still on the roster. Who do you kind of see filling those nine or eight, nine, ten spots um, (laughs) later on? Because we already know some of the people that's going to automatically play, like Josh Christopher. He's automatically going to be playing off the bench, and Jay Shantae is going to be playing off the bench. So, who do you see kind of filling those last few spots? Well, thinking as, as if I were Silas, because if it were me, I would squeeze out Garrison Matthews yeah. and give KJ some more burn. But as you and I kind of discussed, it seems like maybe, you know, KJ might be in Silas' doghouse, or maybe yeah. there's something behind the scenes with him and Silas. Who knows? But because that is a thing, I feel like KJ would get squeezed in terms of minutes. But personally, I would prefer it be Garrison Matthews. I just – I I don't know what's, what the deal is with Silas and KJ. And, I, and you know, yeah. we can't really ignore that, that that's a factor, you know. Yeah. They'll probably end up being KJ. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It should be Matthews as much as people – the whole Garrison Bird thing. Gary Bird. Yeah, Gary, Gary Bird. Bird. I'm sorry. <laughs> Gary Bird thing kind of took off there for like a week or two. Um, we kind of saw why he was bouncing around the league eventually because he's not consistent from the outside. He takes bad shots. Bad he shot. gives effort on defense, but he's not exactly anybody that's a plus defender. Um, so if anything, he's a situational type guy. Hey, maybe you need somebody to at the end of a game or end of a half, you need to spread the court out and play five out. Maybe you have him on the court, but I don't see any way, any possible way they can play on 15, 20 minutes a game this year. That would be kind of insane to me. To me, it has yeah. to be K.J. Martin. And some people are already out on K.J. because of the thing that his father said. Not anything K.J. has said. I haven't heard anything really? from K.J. Martin. So I don't think you give a K.J. Martin in any way, form or fashion for a second-round pick. That just doesn't make any sense to me. That You're not getting value for him. So to me, give him a chance. To me, this year is all about you play everybody. And you see who's yeah. going to be the players that you plan on keeping when you're going to be competitive the following year. To me, other than Jalen Green, Alperen Shangun, KPJ, um, I mean, Eric Gordon is still in the roster, so Eric Gordon, um, and Jabari Smith, to me, everybody else, you're competing for spots. Yeah. So – K.J. Martin should still be able to compete for a spot because he still has some talent. I mean, he still is a decent oh, three-point yeah. shooter. He's their best weak side shot blocker. He's their best cut man um, as far as cutting yeah. to the basket. Um, so, And he's still extremely young. So to, to me, Garrison Matthews can be on the end of the bench. I mean, you don't have to necessarily cut him. I know you just gave him a standard deal last year. But – he should not be getting major minutes next year. If they're doing that, then I'm going to start to question what the coaching staff is doing. And I actually think Coach Salas actually can be a good coach. So once I start questioning the coaching staff, then you know it's something wrong. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully K.J. Martin gets some playing time this upcoming season if he's still going to be on the roster, which I think he is because, like I yeah. said, I just don't think they're going to get value for it. We're trading him by away. now. That was the case. Yeah. Regardless of what his father say, um, I don't – think they're going to try to trade him anytime soon. Um, so we'll kind of see how that's going to play on training camp. Uh, but one more question that actually is not 
well, it's sort of Rockets related, but what is your feeling on the uh, Dennis Schroeder to uh, back to the Lakers thing, other than the fact that, man, he could have been making a lot more money than <laughs> Well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. $84 million, he'd be a lot happier, even though he says that he did not uh, fumble the bag. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's probably <laughs> – it seems like it was going to head that way. I saw he posted yeah. like on Instagram a few months back to LeBron, like something like we might have to run it back or something like that. <laughs> you know, the Lakers are a team that still needs, you know, another ball handler. Obviously they added Pat Bev, but I think Shorty can do some stuff that Pat Bev can't on offense, yeah. you know. And and the big thing is they got him on a, on a minimum. Man, that's great. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great for the Lakers. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, low-risk, high-reward type, yeah. Yeah, and, and and I know that he did he did light it up in Eurobasket. I think I saw he yeah. averaged like like maybe like twenty six and seven or something. Like oh yeah, that. every single game he was playing really well for Germany. So yeah, so and again the Lakers they they, they need <laughs> they need all they can get right now, and he is yeah. probably the best that they could get. You know, well I know Melo has a sign still, but I'm sure he'll <laughs> go back there. Well, I mean, did you not see his off season? Um, in the gym, he was making everything. His, his, yearly, his annual, his annual all season. He's lighting it up in the gym again. <laughs> Man, in that particular gym, everybody's on like ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just basically like you just turned off the uh, the shot meter in in yeah. NBA two K. Like everybody's just making shots left and right. Like I saw Ben Simmons is lighting it up. Russell yeah. Westbrook is now he's Steph Curry. Uh, from the outside, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so basically, we we need we need real basketball back because I, yes. I, I don't, I don't want to see any more Instagram posts or Chris people. Brinkley. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know everybody is shooting great. Everybody's the the best player in the world now <laughs> because, like, my God, we just need actual actual basketball or people working out in, in you know to train the room and weight room and everybody is put on 30 pounds of muscle. It's, it's great. It's wonderful. Let's get to some actual basketball. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for the first segment. Second segment, we're going to be actually talking about some forgotten rockets. Cause recently um, there was a poll done by our, our man, Brad, um, some uh, basically with role players, your favorite role players, which, you know, Hey, if you got favorite role players, it's fine. But some of them was just, crazy <laughs> the votes yeah. that came in so it kind of got me thinking like man we should really be talking about some of these players that a lot of these guys that are 15 16 17 years old have no clue who they are so we're going to be talking about some of those guys in the second segment so please stick around and welcome back to rockets fuel presented by clutch fans and in this first segment we were talking about some of the storylines we're looking forward to in this upcoming season. And in the second segment, uh, we're going to be breaking down some of the underrated, not talked about enough Rockets players from the past, going all the way back to the 90s, um, even some of the more current players. Um, we're going to be talking about them because we know there's a lot of younger fans that may not know a lot about these players. And that's why we're here to educate you that's why we're here to bring you these players so that they're not forgotten and that you realize how good some of these players were um so i, I want to start with you ad each we each kind of got a list of three players so uh one we i'm gonna let you uh kick off and start off with your uh first of your list of three players yeah so first is chuck hayes uh man chuck hayes was the best way to describe it is like pj tucker who without the shooting because he's an undersized guy who was a defensive anchor, a fort. And he was he would lock down guys in the post. And this is not like the current era where it's not a lot of true centers who post yeah. up. Back when he played, there were some horses, some dogs, yeah. like legitimate centers. And it didn't really matter who he was going up against. He he was able to, you know, his job was to man a fort and to anchor down in the post, you know. And he was able to do that easily. Didn't care how much he scored. You know, if you just look looking at a stat sheet, it doesn't jump out at you. But he's a classic example of how, you know, a person can contribute in ways that the stat sheet might not show. Because he never averaged more than eight points. And he only averaged eight points once. You know, he averaged eight rebounds once. The, like, those are career highs for him. So it's easy to look at that and say, well, what did he really do? What was his impact? But his role was very valuable to the Rockets, especially some of those years that Yao started having injuries. 
you know, yeah. Yasar going down here and there. You know, Chuck Hayes, you know, put him in and didn't really didn't miss much of a beat, especially on defense, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean – I, I just remember Chuck Hayes, like you said, he was going against like legitimate centers, and he was sort of like Shane Battier, and where he didn't get a lot of stats, but you knew he was having an impact on the game. Uh, that's definitely kind of how Chuck Wagon. Well, I mean, he had his own nickname. He had you know Chuck Wagon. He had the yeah. Chuck Wagon lineup. Um, so you know he was making an impact on the game. If you know that people would like really realize that, even if he's not giving you fifteen. 20 points a game and double-digit rebounds that he's 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 affecting the game in ways beyond just the stat line. He's actually shutting down uh, other centers that are like probably four or five inches taller than him and probably 50, 60 pounds larger than he is. So, yeah, yeah saying P.J. Tucker without a shot is like a perfect analogy for uh, for Chuck uh, for uh, Chuck Hayes. Right. Yeah, for Chuck Wack. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, who's your uh, number two guy? Um, so I've got Chandler Parsons, which I have to first say I, I, I know when he left. When he, when he left here, yeah, when he left here, he said some things about the city that I, yeah. you know I, I don't I don't rock with that. But when he, when he was here, you know, you hardly ever expect a second round pick to. At one point, he was averaging like sixteen points a game. You yeah. know, you don't actually almost seventeen points a game. You don't really expect a second round pick nowadays to a be a starter for you. And B, yeah. to be averaging 16 on 38% from three, 37% from three, you know. And that was the the young Rockets, the baby Rockets, where we had just yeah. got hardened and you didn't really know what else you had. You know, Land was, eh, you know. <laughs> oh, well, um, hey, 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 don't talk about Land. You don't get them <laughs> Land fans on. You don't want to go back there again. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what a time. But yeah, I mean, Parsons <laughs> came up big, and then there were some playoff games. I remember that series. I think it was against Portland, yeah. where uh, Harden kind of had some struggles. But yeah. you know, Chandler Parsons actually was you know kind of carrying carrying a little bit of the offense, if you will. You yeah. know, and, and real quick, right right before the infamous Damian Lillard shot, walk off. Chandler Parsons actually walk off. Oh damn, that was horrible. <laughs> um, Chandler Parsons actually, we thought had the game winning shot. Um, that shot he made right at the end of the layup um, that put the Rockets ahead in that game. So, yes, you know, we almost had a chance to go to game seven, but you know, yeah. it didn't work out that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Parsons was a good example of second round pick, you know, getting there, you know, fight for yeah. a spot. And he forced the Rockets to have to make a tough decision on matching that contract offer or not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then Parsons decided to uh, go hang out at a club with Cuban and, Say, uh, yeah. <laughs> say Houston is dirty. So, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, um, I think he's still does he may still have the record for number of threes made in the game by a Rockets player. I think he still has that record, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I think he it's could. um, because he had 10 or 11 in one game. Um, we'll look that up, but. I think he still has the record for most threes in a game because I remember that crazy game where he made like 10 threes in a row. Um, I think it was against Memphis um, where he just couldn't miss. So yeah, I remember that. Parson was a really good player, man. It's just – but, you know, other than he just kind of started going downhill after he left the Rockets and then he had that horrible yes. car crash um, yeah. where I think he's still dealing with it. I think he's doing better, but I think he's still dealing with it to this day. He was just never the same after he left the, uh, left the Rockets. But he had some really good years with the Rockets. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it, it was 10, 10 threes. He went 10 of 14. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. So, yeah, he had some really good good time with the Rockets. Um, I guess Memphis, yeah, you're right. Yep. So, wow, that uh, was an 88, 88 to 87 score. Really? That score was that low? <laughs> what, what year was that? 2014. Jeez, uh, you would think that was in the 90s. That's a 90s score. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Um, so, uh, who's your uh, last player? Uh, last one is uh, Katina Mobley, and yep. he does still. He now he does. He, to be fair, he does kind of get some of his flowers now, but yeah. I still think he doesn't get enough. And I know it's because of the era he played in the Rockets '98 through '04. Yeah. You know, so kind of kind of a bridge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely kind of a bridge. But but the guy could shoot the lights out. Katina Mobley yeah. was a little bit before his time. If he was playing in today's league. 
where, you know, you got a green light to shoot eight, nine threes a game. And he was at one point shooting 39.5%, 36, 36, 36, 35, 39. I mean, the Duke could score. And again, I, I get that, you know, some of the, most of the years he was here, Rockets weren't even a playoff team or a contender. But yeah. the reality is the guy the guy was a bucket. And even now at like 47, I, I saw him cooking up <laughs> Christian Wood. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Christian Wood didn't like that too much when that yeah, comment came yeah, out I there, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. The Silver Fox. Yeah, he got that uh they got that genuine uh beard going on there, I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you know, and, and again, he was more of a I guess you could say fringe star player for the Rockets yeah. that, that team. But combo guard, yeah. But I feel like I don't really hear him be discussed much. Yeah, I mean him and Francis, even though the teams weren't good, it was a fun backcourt to watch. Yeah. Um he was definitely like a combo type guard. Wasn't really a shooting guard, wasn't really a point guard, but could kind of do a little smaller. bit of both. Yeah, a smaller version. So, yeah, it was a really fun backcourt. Just fortunately, like you said, it was their time. Like Akeem, time was winding down. The team wasn't really good. Um, it was kind of before they got Yao. It was kind yeah. of in that in-between time where the Rocks were just not really good at all. Um, but it was still an exciting team to watch, um, yeah. even around that time. So, like you say, it was just – unfortunately, he just came around the uh, – uh, a time where they weren't really that good, but yeah, right. Catino Moe was definitely a—he uh, uh, was definitely the definition of a bucket back then. Him, yes. and, him, and Francis in that backcourt. So, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely never want to forget about uh, you know Catino Mobley. Um, I don't know how much he really did after he left the Rockets. Um, I think he kind of bounced around a little bit after that. He went to he went to uh, Orlando in the T Mac deal. Yeah. Then he went to Sacramento. Then he went to the Clippers. So he actually didn't ever really play on like contending teams, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, I think sometimes people forget that that sometimes it's just luck. Some of these yeah. players, I mean, heck, who knows if Curry would end up going to Minnesota? Maybe he's not Steph Curry. Yeah, Maybe he's just another really good player. So <laughs> he happened to go to Golden State, who has a lot better training staff, better coaches, and uh, he's Steph Curry. Catino Mobley, unfortunately, played for bad Rockets teams and went to Orlando, who wasn't really good. Right. And then Sacramento. That's kind of his career. And then Sacramento, who's then never been good. Of oh, God, yeah. Clippers <laughs> were just bad for a long time. Man. I mean, so he went to some really bad teams. So, And he, unfortunately, wasn't with Sacramento when they were actually winning. So, right. <laughs> with the, the Chris Webber, uh, Peja Stojakovich yeah. era. So, Sometimes it's just bad luck, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, those are three really good names. I mean, people need to really go back and look at some of those players and how they how good they were back then. Um, for my list, um, of course, I'm starting off with O.T. Otis Thorpe, yeah. uh, who was part of the first Rockets championship, who if he wasn't on that team, um, the Rockets don't win that first championship. I mean, he was a, a really a, – a, because especially when they were going up against the New York Knicks, who at the time was literally playing tackle football with Oakley, Anthony Mason, Patrick Ewing. I mean, those – if you want to see some – people talk about how soft the NBA is now. If you want to see some real, like, playground, knocking people over every single time type basketball. I mean, literally Derek Harper had Kenny Smith to the point where he couldn't even dribble the ball up the court. He was hand-checking him so much. That's how tough it was back then. So – Having somebody, Otis Thorpe, who was one of the toughest guys in the league, um, he was a real – he was, like, one of the main reasons why they won those championships. And even before that, I mean, he was the, one of the best outlet passers of all time. Go back and watch some of his clips on YouTube. I mean, he made some of the best – because, I mean, his hands was as big as, like, basically two people's hands combined into one. I yeah. mean, he can literally palm the ball and throw it, like, 90 feet without even trying. Um, he And on top of that – at the time, he had the record for most games played in a row. He played 542 games in a row from 1986 to 1992. I mean, that's insane. Think about this. Six seasons, he did not miss he one not game. Miss a single game. I mean, you can't even get players playing 60 games <laughs> a year now, and right. he didn't miss a game for six straight seasons. That's just He's insane. 29 and years old, 30 yeah. years old, 31. And playing at power forward in the 80s, late 80s and the 90s, where yeah. it was rough back then. I mean, you had people, everybody was 6'10", 6'11", 250 pounds back then. So, I mean, that's just an insane 
accomplishment. And then on top of that, early 90s, he actually made the all-star team with the Rockets. I don't think people realize that. He actually made an all-star team playing yeah. for the Rockets. So he was a really good player. A lot of people were really pissed off when he was traded in that Clyde Drexler trade. Of course, it worked out ultimately. But, I mean, I think people forget, even after the Rockets traded for uh, Clyde Drexler, the Rockets struggled for the rest of that year. That's why they finished in the sixth seed. And a lot of yeah. people were upset that the Rockets traded away Otis Thorpe um, for Clyde Drexler. I mean, even some of the players on the Rockets were upset. I mean, I remember Mario telling me a couple of times yeah, he was upset. A lot of other players on the team were like, what in the world are we doing? Why are we trading away a championship team to bring in uh, Clyde Drexler? So that's how valuable Otis Thorpe was. So I think people just need to realize how good Otis Thorpe was, especially back in his uh, uh, early Rockets days um, before yeah. he got traded. Um, of course, another one from the championship teams, uh, Sam Cassell. Um, even going back before the Rockets, he he was really good at Florida State, played with Charlie Ward in that backcourt. Another future Rocket, even though he didn't really do a lot for the Rockets, Charlie Ward. Right. Um, but of course, you know Charlie Ward from being the Heisman Trophy yeah. winner, decided to play basketball. He played. He with probably should have football though. Uh, probably should, even though he did have he did play pretty good for the Knicks uh, with yeah. Matt Gundy um, back in the day. So, um, but and then Sam Cassell comes here in his first two years of Rockets win championship. They probably don't win a championship in 1994 um, because. He, uh, one particular game, it was the game three game. Um, he played really well. Um, he actually came in because Kenny Smith, like I said earlier, Derek Harper completely destroyed Kenny Smith <laughs> in that playoff series. I mean, it was I, – I, I, just go back and just type in Derek Harper versus Kenny Smith in the 94 finals, and you'll see he completely shut Kenny Smith down. But Sam Cassell – Another story uh, Mario told me, Sam Cassell, the first time he came in, because Derek Harper would literally put his hands on Kenny Smith back and direct him to wherever he wanted him to go. Sam Cassell actually slapped down on his hand, actually almost broke his hand, and Derek Harper didn't do that to Cassell the rest of the playoff series. So <laughs> Cassell was like the only point guard that could actually get some shots off against the Knicks in those playoffs, and he hit the literally the game winner, um, yeah. or at least the one that clinched the game in game three of uh, the 1994 finals. Um, and then in '95, that's when he really took off against Orlando. I mean, he pretty much start. Uh, he pretty much played majority of the minutes in that um, Orlando series, and he was a major reason why they were able to sweep Orlando. And then even after he left the Rockets, I mean, he went on. He played for. Uh, we were talking about it earlier, Minnesota. Those uh, Latrell Sprewell KG. and uh, KG teams. That the only time I think the only time Minnesota's ever gotten to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I don't think right. they've ever, yeah, they've never gotten there before or since. He got them to the Western Conference Finals, uh, went and played. I, he actually won a championship with Boston. He was more in a reserve yeah. role by then. Um, played for the Clippers, got the Clippers to the playoffs. This was before the Clippers, this was before CP3 days, and actually they were getting to the playoffs every year. No, I mean, the Clippers that. never got to the playoffs. He got them yeah. to the playoffs, uh, played for Milwaukee, I think uh, yeah. at the time, played with uh, Ray Allen was really good there. So Sam Cassell had a really good, you know, career. Of course, now, you know, he's had a really good coaching career. Hopefully one day he actually gets a head coaching job because he I'm definitely sure he deserves will. it. Uh, I guess if Doc Rivers keeps liking the stuff that he likes, uh, he may be taking over <laughs> that uh, That's a whole other story there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Sam Cassell was a really good player. Um, and the, my last player on the list was Aaron Brooks. Um, yes. Another just great player undersized, but you could never really tell the way he played on the court. Uh, played a lot in the Yao Ming era. Yao Ming, Tracy McGrady, especially when they were hurt a lot. Of course, yes. everybody, um, the biggest uh, accomplishment for him was in that um, playoff series, I think 2009. Uh, I think it was 2009-2010 um, where they played the Lakers in the second round. Uh, Tracy McGrady was already hurt. He hadn't really he hadn't played at all in the playoffs. Yao Ming got hurt in that Lakers series, and Aaron Brooks just went crazy in that series. Had some thirty point games, helped the Rockets force the Lakers, the eventual champions Lakers, to uh, Game Seven. Yeah. Um, and even before that, a actually had a season where he averaged nineteen points, won the Most Improved Player of the Year award. Um, was a really good player, a really good scorer. Um, could handle the ball. Uh, had some really good six years as well. Um, 
didn't do a lot after he left the Rockets, but in those few years that he played for the Rockets, he actually came back and played for the Rockets a little bit after on, yeah. he was uh, traded away. So, but um, I mean, to be able to average 19 points a, a game, and if I'm not mistaken, he definitely he wasn't a high draft pick at all. Um, I'm trying to remember if he was even drafted or not, uh, but he definitely wasn't a high draft choice. Um, so it's like he was a to, 26th pick in, on the 07 draft. Pick. Yeah, so later in the first round, um, yeah. and to win most improved player, if I'm not mistaken, that's also around the Carl Landry type days yeah. as well. That was another guy that was drafted lower that actually has some. That's another uh, guy, Carl Landry. Also a good <laughs> name. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That had some really good success. Um, of course, I just always remember when his tooth got knocked out and he made that game winning play. I think it was against Utah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's something I remember for Carl Landry. There. So yeah, he's another good player. But yeah, Aaron Brooks. Uh, if you ever want to go back and watch some really good offensive basketball, go back and watch uh, Aaron Brooks' time the first time around with the Rockets, uh, especially in that Lakers series. I mean, the the one play I always remember is when um, I think it was game six when they were trying to force a game seven back in L.A., and they were already up like 15, 20 points. They were just blowing the Lakers out. And someone threw a pass from midcourt. I think it might have been Scola. I can't remember. But they threw a pass from midcourt. Aaron Brooks – jumped up they threw an alley-oop pass from midcourt to the basket for Aaron Brooks with like a two seconds left and he he still made the shot and um at the time I think it was compact center uh went crazy um and that's the game where he had like 30 or so points so Aaron Brooks is like probably one of my favorite players ever on the Rockets team one of the most yeah. funniest players you're ever gonna watch on the court so definitely Aaron Brooks is another one of my uh guys that uh, you need to go back, do some Google searches on whatever you need to do because he's one of the he's one of the better players in Rockets history uh, for sure. Um, so, like I said, the reason we're doing this, we want people to know some of the players from 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago that was on the Rockets team that you definitely should know outside, of, of course, the players like Akeem Olajuwon. Stars. Everybody know, you know, everybody knows Mario Ellie. Everybody knows Vernon Maxwell, Robert Ory. People know those type of players, but. There was a lot of other players outside of those players that actually made the Rockets team, especially those championship teams, that if they weren't on those teams, the Rockets wouldn't have won those back-to-back championships. And we would still be talking about to this day that no Rockets team has ever won a championship, which would be just insane to think about that. I mean, even some honorable mentions, the Earl Curitans of the world, the the Chucky Browns of the world, players that, you know, you may not have any idea who they are, but they were – they had a big part in the Rockets winning those championships in the 90s. So definitely, if you ever, you know, you still got time, Rockets ain't playing. Go back and do some research on some of the older Rockets. Certainly. And <laughs> you definitely won't be disappointed. Uh, one more thing before we wrap up the show, AD, I wanted to ask you about. So, of course, like I said, we got training camp coming up. Um, we got uh, media day. We got all that stuff coming up. What are you expecting as far as a win total for the Rockets in this upcoming season? You don't have to give an exact number, but what's a win range you're expecting? And do you expect the Rockets to be the worst team in the league again and have the chance at the Wimbiyama sweepstake that everybody's going to be tanking for, all the bad teams are going to be tanking for this upcoming season? So I think win total range, probably 25 to 30. Yeah. Uh, Worst team in the league. I think that's going to go to Utah. (laughs) No, think the, yeah, I think I think Utah's gonna be, <laughs> gonna be the worst team, either them or OKC. I, I know I know they pride themselves on that in OKC. Yeah, <laughs> they already laying the groundworks for that. But with, yeah. with, with Utah making these trades, right? <laughs> yeah, um, Wimbyama. I don't know that I want us to, to be in the Wimbyama sweepstakes. I'm not sure I want that, but uh, I mean, with the lottery system that's changed now, I mean, you could have a shot at them technically, but. Yeah. I'd, I'd be surprised if they get the first pick. I, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Outside of them being like the number five worst team and then somehow they go up to number one, I would be extremely disappointed if the Rockets have the worst record in the league again. If yeah. they have the worst record in the league again, that would put uh, Coach Salas on the, on the hot seat, I think. Yeah. Because – even though I'm not expecting them to win 35 games this year, I do expect them like the same as you. I expect them to win in the 25 or 30 game range and not be the worst team. I think the worst team in the league is probably going to have 16, 17 wins this year. I would Man. not be shocked at all. So 
if the Rockets are down that low, that means that KPJ didn't take a step forward. That means Jalen Green was okay, but didn't take the major step forward we all think he's going to take. And that means that Shangoon is not the player that we thought he's going to be. Because if any of those other things happen, the Rockets should not be winning 18, 19 games this year. Um, that would be a huge disappointment for me personally if they don't yeah. win more than at least 22, 23 games. And if they win in that amount of games, I don't think they're going to be in anywhere near that number one spot. And I'm fine with that because as much as I see how great Wimbiama can be, I still have some major concerns with him and his injury history. He has an injury history that even Chet Holmgren didn't have before he got yeah. in the NBA. And we saw not that his weight had anything to do with him being hurt, but it's kind of hard not to see it, even though yeah. I did want Chet because I wanted Chet on team because um, at the time I thought he was the best prospect. But one play in or a few plays into a summer league game and he's already hurt. And we've seen – Pro-Am, not even an actual NBA-sanctioned game. Yeah. And it's actually a really good video. I'm going to have to look it up and link it later. But there's a really good video where somebody broke down all the seven-footers that's ever played in the NBA and their injury history and the number of games that they played that players over 7'3". And yeah. it doesn't look really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's really bad the amount of games that people over 7'3 have missed in NBA history. There hasn't been a lot of those players anyway. But the ones that they showed between uh, Yao Ming, um, there was a couple of other players that were over 7'3", the Manute Bowls of the world, um, they missed a ton of games. So that's that's definitely something that I'm worried about when it comes to Wimbiama. I mean, he's, of course, way over 7'3". Some people say he's 7'6", at this point, yeah. and he's real thin. So that's something you got to keep in mind. I know people are in love with the thought of probably possibly getting them, but that's a major concern for me anyway. So yeah. that's my two cent hot take for the day that I'm not exactly sold on Wimby. I'm as a number one overall draft pick. So send your send your hate comments to uh, Clutch uh, Clutch City or Clutch fans, and, or you can send to Clutch City too, so that now yeah. won't see them at all. Uh, but <laughs> but no, um, so yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for today's show. We're probably gonna take off next week because that's the week right before training camp. But when training camp hits, we're gonna be hitting the ground running, hopefully with some really big guests coming up uh, that we hopefully be able to um, nail down and and get some confirmation on that we will be announcing later on. So, as usual, we appreciate everybody that comes by every week and checks out Rocket Fuel um, and gives us likes, comments on YouTube. Um, they also gives us five stars on you know Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate everybody that comes by next week. And, again, we'll be off next week, but we'll be back on the following week getting ready for training camp and some actual real basketball on the court that we can talk about. So we're all looking forward to that. So make sure you check us out in a couple of weeks. As always, we appreciate everybody that comes by and joins us on Rockets Fuel presented by Clutch Fans.